The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments, Season 3. Thank you for joining me on this journey into the odd, the weird, the strange. Hope you'll enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Well, good evening, friends. Welcome back to Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to get right into the story this time. I've just become recently aware of certain oddities and stories that I had never heard before, with the exception of maybe one. Did y'all know about these oddities as I read them off? Have you ever heard of the Snallygaster? In American folklore, the Snallygaster is a dragon-like beast said to inhabit central Maryland the Washington, D.C. metro area, and particularly the Middletown area of Frederick County, Maryland. The area was settled by German immigrants beginning in the 1730s, and early accounts describe the community being terrorized by a monster called a Schnellergeist, meaning quick ghost in German. The earliest incarnations mixed the half-bird features of a siren with the nightmarish features of demons and ghouls. The Snallygaster was described as half reptile, half bird, with a metallic beak lined with razor-sharp teeth, occasionally with octopus-like tentacles. It swooped silently from the sky to pick up and carry off its victims. The earliest stories claim the monster sucked the blood of its victims. Seven pointed stars, which reputedly kept the Snallygaster at bay, can still be seen painted on local barns. It has been suggested that the legend was resurrected in the 19th century to frighten freed slaves. Newspaper accounts throughout February and March of 1909 described encounters between local residents and a beast with quote, enormous wings, a long pointed bill, claws like steel hooks, and an eye in the center of its forehead, unquote. It was described as making screeches like a locomotive whistle. A great deal of publicity surrounded this string of appearances, with the Smithsonian Institution offering a reward for the hide. 
U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt reportedly considered not going on an African safari so he could personally hunt this beast. It was later revealed that these reports were part of a hoax perpetrated by Middletown Valley Register editor George Roderick and reporter Ralph Wolf in an attempt to increase readership. The descriptions they invented borrowed themes from existing German folklore, including dragon-like creatures who snatched children and livestock and also appeared to invoke descriptions of the Jersey Devil, which had been spotted mere weeks earlier. In 2008, author Patrick Boyton published a book about the history of the Snallygaster entitled Snallygaster, The Lost Legend of Frederick County. Well, there's the Snallygaster. Now, you may be relieved or not to know that the Snallygaster has a mortal enemy. It's the Dwayo, D-W-A-Y-Y-O, or it is sometimes referred to as the Dwayo, D-E-W-A-Y-O. This creature is a cryptid sighted primarily in West Middletown, Maryland, but sightings have also been reported in Wolfsville, Maryland. This mammalian is said to be hairy, it's got a bushy tail, and is sometimes bipedal. At times it has features similar to a wolf, but with the arms, stance, and stature of a human. It almost resembles a werewolf, and it is the mortal enemy of the Snallygaster. The Dewayo and the Snallygaster have reportedly had vicious encounters dating back to early settlement of the Middletown Valley. How do stories like this stay quiet? Why isn't that they're well known within the, the cryptid community or the paranormal groups? You know, why don't a lot of people know about these? A newspaper account in the Frederick News Post from 27 November 1965 detailed the accounts of a run-in with the Dueo. Near the woods of Gambrel State Park, a certain man named John Becker went out into his yard to investigate a strange noise. It was getting dark, and he started back to the house when he saw something moving toward him. As he said, it was as big as a bear, had long black hair, a bushy tail, and growled like a wolf in anger. As it got closer, it stood up on its hind legs and attacked him. Becker fought the creature until it ran into the woods, leaving him, his wife, and children in horror. Deciding to remain anonymous under the alias John Becker, he filed a report with local state police telling of an attack by a mysterious monster that he called a Dueo. Sensing a good story, Frederick News Post reporter George May wrote a series of articles on the monster, and soon newspapers throughout the area were carrying the story. These articles spawned a rash of calls and letters to the newspaper, ranging from the absurd to the furious. The county treasurer's office received an application for a Dwayo license from a, quote, John Becker, unquote, accompanied by the $1 fee. The license was issued and mailed in care of George May, Frederick News Post. 
The Frederick newspapers also reported other sightings. An Adamstown, Maryland woman called the paper and insisted that, quote, this trash about the Dwayo be stopped, unquote. She said her daughter was being treated for a nervous condition because of all this talk about the Dwayo. Several hunters saw a strange black beast roaming the woods in the area. An Ellerton, Maryland, Route 17 woman reported that residents of that area had heard something cry like a baby and scream like a woman for several months. A Jefferson, Maryland woman said that she saw a strange dog-shaped animal about the size of a calf chasing some cows on a farm near her home. However, investigations by local and state police turned up nothing substantial on the John Becker Dueo story and by mid-December the story started to fade. There had not been any sightings for several days and it was suggested that maybe the Dueo had moved on to another area. Many of these claims are available at a University of Maryland exhibit named Mysterious Maryland. Here you can see life-size images of and newspaper clippings about the Dueo, the Bunny Man, that's another one I'm not going to go into, a hatchet-wielding man who dresses in a pink bunny suit and torments people in the D.C. metro area. Maybe he's a member of Congress. And the infamous Maryland Goat Man, a half-man, half-goat creature who has been spotted around Prince George's County, Maryland, since the 1950s, and who some believe may actually be the devil himself. The next one on our list is the Snarly Yowl. Seems like they're letting their kids name the local cryptids. The Snarly Yowl is a mysterious giant black dog who has been sighted at various spots on South Mountain, Maryland. His territory appears to be at a pass in where the old national road cuts across a brook and a canyon. Although his appearance is similar to the Black Shuck of the UK, this hound appears to have no connection to the harbinger of death that is Black Shuck, or in Harry Potter lore, the Grimm, or that is associated with many other hounds. Eyewitnesses claim his coat changes from white to black. One sighting actually describes Snarly as a white headless dog which dragged a chain. Snarly Yow sightings date back to an inn built nearby around 1790. The common tale was that the Snarly would suddenly appear, spook a horse, and disappear as the rider was thrown from the horse. Many of these sightings were committed to paper in 1882 by a Madeline Vinton Dahlgren in a book called South Mountain Magic. One eyewitness account of Snarly is recounted here. One night about 10 o'clock, as he was returning from the village of Boonesboro, whether he had gone to make some little purchases for his family, he encountered the black dog. It was clear starlight, and the ungainly form of the beast could be distinctly traced. It was black and bigger than any dog he had ever seen. And as he came nearer, the object intercepted him and stood, guarding the road in such a way as to forbid his crossing. So, to use his own expression, he fit him. That is, not being scared, he attacked and fought the dog. But to his confusion, as he attacked the creature, it 
grew longer and presently seemed to extend across the road. It made no noise, but showing a very wide and very ugly looking ragged mouth. And while all the time raining heavy blows down on the beast, the man said that his fists met no resistance, but rather he was seeming to beat the air. Presently the still lengthening shadow passed onward, and then the man, who was not a little confused at the strange nature of the vision, went home. He received not even the least bodily harm from this ominous combat. There were also many in the 20th century apparently due to the snarly yow's fondness for chasing cars. Hey, he's a dog. He loves to chase cars. The common current story is that a hound attempted to block cars on the road. He will appear so lifelike that drivers on the national road, which is Route 40, will actually think they hit a dog. When they stop and see what happened, Snarly will be there with teeth bared and then just disappear. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live Boricua. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A producer for a local cable company was in the area shooting footage for a show about local legends. He had several unexplained things happen in this area. In his words, quote, I and other crew members who were preparing to begin an early morning shoot at the inn were startled by a strange noise that sounded like the howl of a werewolf echoing throughout the top of the mountain. It was a sound I had never heard before or since. There is a Civil War plaque located on the road near Boonesboro, Maryland for the Battle of South Mountain. Also on that display is a sidebar that reads, Beware of the Snarly Owl. Legend has it that the shadow of a black dog used to prowl the heights of South Mountain. And one night, a huntsman, famous as a sure shot, encountered the beast. He aimed and fired his rifle. The shot went right through the animal with no effect. He fired again and again, each shot passing through the shadowy beast. Finally overcome with dread, the huntsman fled. Um, yeah. The Richmond Vampire. The Richmond Vampire, also called locally the Hollywood Vampire, is a recent urban legend from Richmond, Virginia. Local residents claim that the mausoleum of a man named W.W. Poole, dated 1913, in Hollywood Cemetery, 
holds the remains of a vampire. Supposedly, Poole was run out of England in the 1800s for being a vampire. Oral legends to this effect were circulating by the 1960s. They may be influenced by the architecture of the tomb, which has both Masonic and ancient Egyptian elements, and double W's looking like fangs. Because this cemetery is adjacent to Virginia Commonwealth University, the story became popular among students, especially from the 1980s onward. It was first mentioned in print in the student newspaper Commonwealth Times in 1976. In the past few years, the vampire story has been combined with the collapse of the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad's Churchill Tunnel under Churchill, a neighborhood of eastern Richmond, Virginia, which buried several workers alive on October 2, 1925. This part of the story showed up online in 2001 and was first reported in print in 2007 in Haunted Richmond, The Shadows of Shaco. According to this newer story, the tunneling awakened an ancient evil that lived under Church Hill and brought the tunnel crashing down on the workers. Rescue teams found an unearthly, blood-covered creature with jagged teeth and skin hanging from his muscular body, crouching over one of the victims. The creature escaped from the cave and raced toward the James River. Pursued by a group of men, the creature took refuge in Hollywood Cemetery, where it disappeared in a mausoleum built into a hillside bearing the name W.W. Poole. According to Gregory Maitland, who is an urban legend and folklore researcher with the paranormal research groups Night Shift and the Virginia Ghost and Haunting Research Society, the creature that escaped the tunnel collapse was actually the 28-year-old railroad fireman Benjamin Mosby, who had been shoveling coal into the firebox of a steam locomotive of a work train. He had no shirt on, and when the cave-in occurred, the boiler ruptured. Mosby's upper body was horribly scalded, and several of his teeth were broken before he made his way through the opening of the tunnel. Witnesses reported that he was in shock, and layers of his skin were hanging from his body. He died later at Grace Hospital and was buried at Hollywood Cemetery. So, no vampire. Well, that sucks. After years of pop culture conditioning to lycanthropes with rippling abs and typical teenage problems, it's easy to forget that at one time the threat of a hungry werewolf lurking the countryside was considered a very real and deadly serious ordeal. In fact, in the mid-1800s, terror gripped the state of Georgia when a werewolf caused panic-stricken farmers to melt their crosses into bullets and set off to kill the beast. It sounds like a tall tale, but today you can visit the creature's grave. The long-ago legend of Georgia's real-life werewolf begins innocently enough with a young girl named Emily Isabel Burt. Emily was the shyest and most reserved child of the wealthy Burt family, prominent members of town now known as Woodland. When Emily's father died, he left a hefty sum of money behind, and rather than spend her days looking after the children, Emily's mother, Mildred Owen Burt, shipped them off to boarding school in Europe, freeing her to spend her days 
chatting with other socialites. After a long semester in Europe, Emily returned home, and it wasn't long before the rest of her family started to notice that something about her wasn't quite right. She looked sickly, had a million-mile stare, and complained that she was unable to sleep. As the days wore on, her mother began to realize that Emily had been slipping off into the nearby forest in the middle of the night. When confronted, Emily claimed that she couldn't recall most of her midnight strolls. To make matters worse, she started to grow unsightly hair in odd places, and even strangers noticed that her teeth began to look more pointed, almost as if she was growing fangs. Coincidentally, the local farmers were dealing with some strange problems in, the, in their own right. Throughout Talbot County, farmers were waking in the morning only to find their fields littered with the mangled carcasses of their livestock, seemingly the victims of a wolf attack. Together, the farmers concocted a plan to end the slayings once and for all and started nightly hunting parties with the intention of capturing or killing the beast responsible. After weeks of failed attempts to slay the phantom wolf, the frustrated farmers resulted to their last resort. They asked the town weirdo for help. Always go to the weirdo. Always. Locals always whispered about the strange old man from Eastern Europe. Some claimed he dabbled in black magic. Others said he was just crazy. But either way, he was an outsider. When the animal mutilations first began, no one listened when he told them he knew which creature was to blame. According to him, it was no regular animal. It was a their wolf. With little else to go on and scores of dead animals to deal with, the farmers were finally ready to listen. Tracking the beast on any old night was a fruitless effort, the old man told them. Instead, they were to wait until the next full moon to resume their hunt. In the meantime, the old man instructed the farmers to take every silver crucifix they could find, melt them down, and use the metal to fashion bullets. As strange as his advice was, the farmers were out of options and did as they were told. Several weeks later, the group took to their fields by the light of the full moon. Just as the old man had said, the hunting party came across a frightening silhouette lurking in the distance. The creature was as big as a man, had a long snout, and walked on two legs. As its wolf-like ears twitched in the moonlight, the hunting party raised their rifles and took aim at the monster. As a cacophony of gunshots filled the night air, the werewolf let out a painful scream and fled into the forest. No one was sure where the creature was hit, but the old man's crazy plan had worked. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to the celebrating farmers, there was another hunt happening in the very same area. Mildred Owen Burt awoke to the sound of gunshots, only to discover that Emily's bed was empty. Determined to get to the bottom of her daughter's secretive midnight adventures, she lit a lantern and headed into the forest. After searching high and low, Mildred stumbled onto Emily's unconscious body. A pool of blood surrounded her hand, and it appeared that she had been shot. Mildred did her best to stop the bleeding and ran for help. The following day, the doctor patched up Emily's wounds, but even he couldn't explain what had happened. After the rumors of Emily's accident and the farmer's successful werewolf hunt 
began to collide in the local taverns, Milder discovered a doctor in Paris who claimed to specialize in lycanthropy. With the sneaking suspicion that Emily might have been to blame for the rash of animal mutilations, Mildred sent her off to Paris in the hopes that she might be cured. According to all the legends, the attacks completely ceased from then on. Several years later, Emily Isabella Burt returned to Georgia, cured of a mysterious ailment, and lived out the rest of her life as a successful businesswoman and landlord. In 1911, at the age of 70, Isabella died and was buried in the Owens and Holmes Cemetery in Talbot County. Her gravestone reads, Thy form alone is all, thank God, that to the grave is given. For eyes know thy soul, the better part, is safe, yet safe, in heaven. While the legend of George's werewolf girl is hotly contested by locals who claim their great-grandparents encountered the beast, and skeptics who cite a lack of hard evidence in the story, one thing is for certain. To this day, there are numerous reports that the ghostly spirit of Emily Isabella Burt still roams the countryside by the light of the full moon. In werewolf form, of course. Lastly, we look at the Converse Werewolf. This is a local story for me. Story reportedly takes place after the Civil War here in, in Texas, before there was a town called Converse, and that's just to the northeast of San Antonio. This is old-time ranching country, and part of being a rancher, especially back then, was being manly. One rancher who had a son who was bookish wanted his son to go out and be a man, so he sent the 15-year-old out into the wilderness by himself and told him to bring home a deer for the family to eat. The boy went out, but came home empty-handed. The father sent him out again, making it imperative that he return with that deer. The son went out to their best hunting spot, and the father had a fit of remorse for having been so hard on the boy, so he was concerned about the boy coming home. Days later, the boy hadn't returned. The rancher summoned all of his neighbors, and they went on a search party. The group arrived at the hunting spot, and while searching for the boy, heard a noise off in the woods. They went running in that direction, thinking they had found the son. And they were right. But they got more than they bargained for. An eight-foot-tall creature that looked like a direct cross between a wolf and a gorilla was eating his 15-year-old boy. The rancher shot at the beast and it took off into the woods, but it was too late. His son was dead. The story goes that the rancher plunged into a deep depression and generally went off the deep end. I can't say I would blame him. He stopped talking to people, he stopped eating, and died shortly after seeing that gruesome sight. Do you have any newly discovered weird stories to share? I'm open to listen to them. That's it for this week. Thanks a lot. Have a great week, folks. Bye-bye.